and welcome to the Feedback Force podcast, the game design analysis podcast of the End Defender community. I'm Kelso. And I'm Kyla. And I'm Carl. And we took a little bit of a break, and that's fine. Yeah, because, Carl, yeah. Carl had to move houses, so and things have been a little sucks. bit, uh, things have been a little bit all over the place. Yeah, moving is the worst, so. Yeah, it's been nope. hectic. Yeah. It always is. Is it like there's there's no such thing as I moved and it went great. <laughs> it was it's fine. Always, and it was fine and there was no the trouble. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Also, I kind of like got a new apartment and moved within two days. Jeez. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, I actually I I weirdly like really like um moving into places because i have i have a fondness for like putting together ikea furniture and like putting everything nicely away in the place that it goes you're insane this did you see on steam someone uh is basically making a zen game just for me that's that it's called unpacking maybe it's not on steam but there is a game called unpacking um I'm pretty sure you have tried to get this on the podcast. <laughs> I, I've, I've probably mentioned it before, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, it is on Steam. Okay. Um, yeah, Unpacking by Witchbeam, which it's just a series of rooms, and you just take things out of boxes and put them where they go. <laughs> I'm like, this looks like exactly my jam. <laughs> I mean, I would probably play this. This, I mean, I'm looking at it right now. This is some extremely gorgeous isometric pixel art i like this i like the look of this a lot i do really like building ikea furniture oh yeah now i know why what it is hmm? that game it's from uh, it's a small there's a this thing in sweden where like they invite like really small teams to spend like a week or two at the small house of like game devs Okay. Do, and this is one of the games that was on there. Ah, oh. okay. That's right. Huh. Well, there you go. Yeah, I, would put, I mean, I've I've put a lot of time into like House Flipper too. So yeah, I, uh, we I, I we can't the play this on the we can't play this on the podcast yet because it's not releasing till next year. But once yeah. it's out, I'm probably gonna uh, <laughs> I'm probably gonna try and argue for this one. Just it's it looks so like zen and relaxing. It's just like all the there's places for things and you you put them where they go. I'm, yeah. I'm really in envy of this um the the gift they have on the Steam page of this kitchen. Like man, I've lived in places with way less storage space in kitchens than this. <laughs> <laughs> like this is this is nice. Yeah. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been playing a lot of Two Point Hospital recently, and that's in some ways it's kind of the same thing. Like the the main pleasure I get from it is like arranging the rooms in the hospital so that it like looks feels nice and neat, and there's good walking paths between them and things like that. It's just I I crave like spatial organization. I guess I should really play Wilmot's Warehouse probably. Yeah, probably. Uh, yeah. But how's the new how's the new place, Carl? Is it better than the old place or just different? Great. My roommate has a PlayStation Four. 
Nice. nice. I can play Bloodborne. <laughs> Carl has priorities. How yep. many? Um, so we were we were talking in before we started recording. We were trying to decide on what game, and we picked the game based uh, on how many songs it had in the uh, video game music quiz. So how many songs does Bloodborne have in the video game music quiz? Probably um, a lot, I would think. I can check. It's like I would say. Five or six wouldn't be my guess. Yeah. I don't know. The, it's five. The Souls games always have really good music. Also, yeah. I don't know. I don't know it if you can hear sound similar. Yeah. I don't know if you can hear the cat. He's um he got exiled from the office because he was trying to climb all over um my boyfriend's guitar case and stuff, and I don't want him uh on the instruments so he's been exiled yeah. and he's crying outside the door so oh. if you can if you can hear him yeah he's fine he'll be fine um, i'm sure yeah. so man there's a lot of things have happened since since we last recorded it's been halloween it's been uh the election destiel became canon all kinds of things. I have this no is, idea what the last one was. Um, yeah, this is sorry. Right. It's I've it's a it's a Tumblr joke. Um, so Tumblr went like utterly bug nuts because uh, on the same like was it the night of the fifth? I think um, like all kinds of shit was happening with the election, and at the same time the um, the the most uh, like the biggest ship uh, in the supernatural fandom that fans have been basically like clamoring after for over a decade, like aired an episode where like one character said they were in love with the other one. <clears throat> and at the same time, rumors also surfaced that Putin was resigning. Um, so the two merged into like a hideous meme beast about how, like, because Destiel was canon, Putin was resigning. Um, and therefore, like, if, you know, if John Locke becomes canon in in uh, um, Sherlock, then maybe Kim Jong-un would resign. <laughs> it oh, boy. Was, it, got, it got real weird. Tumblr basically felt like 2013 again. <laughs> it, was, it was very odd. Um, also, I guess, like, Sherlock Season 5 was announced at the same time, along with, like, a couple other things, or on High Host Club Season 2. Huh. Wait, what? Yeah, <laughs> apparently that's a thing. Holy I don't even shit. know. I mean, Oran High School Host Club is, uh, extremely problematic, but I'll be damned if I don't love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's it's cool. it's got its pros and cons. I, I like that it has a very like nonchalant approach to gender. Yeah, yeah. I oh man, I'm gonna have to tell I'm gonna have to tell the boyfriend about that one because we we watched that one together, <laughs> and he really liked it too. Yeah. So oh, so good. basically, like at the same time, like um, I think 
everybody was watching Nevada and then out of nowhere, like Georgia flipped blue around the same time. So it was like, Mm -hmm. it was like the freaking apocalypse on Tumblr. It was kind of amazing. Yeah, I, I only half paid attention, like, just because I knew the election was not going to be over in a day, like, you know, over air quotes in a day, like it usually is. I was just like, you know what, it'll get decided when it gets decided. I don't. I don't think I have the like the energy to obsess over it, but here we are. We made it. We're we're we pushed through. We're on the other side of it. Biden is the uh, president elect, so we can finally breathe again a little bit. Not to get politicsy, but here we are. Yeah, I mean it's it's uh, hard to not get politicsy a little bit yeah so that's fun um other things it was it was halloween which theoretically the game we're talking about today was our halloween game but it's it's not been that long since halloween it's fine i still have my pumpkin i carved a jack-o-lantern with little bats in it and if you light it next to a wall it like projects little light flickery light bats on the wall it's super cute oh nice um and we also like the game is that Halloweeny. It's true. It's yeah. only very loosely. It's not that spooky. Um, it's just kind of atmospheric. Uh, the we've also we've been living at this apartment for like six years now, and this was the first year we've ever had trick or treaters. Oh wow! Which, like coronavirus, you would think this would be the year we wouldn't have trick or treaters, but there you go. Hmm. I mean, did you have candy to pass out or did you? We like, did. Big... No, wow, we always nice. just buy a big bowl of candy for ourselves. <laughs> so we just had a big bowl of candy. I'm like, all right. I gave them some some uh, Kit Kats and Reese's peanut butter cups. Nice. That's the best set of Halloween candy. Yeah, that's that's the good stuff. That's better than like, here's some raisins and uh, chick tracts, I guess. <sighs> God. <laughs> Who? Don't, don't, if you are, if you are, just don't be the sort of person who gives out raisins on Halloween, like little raisin packets. There's no call for that. Yeah. Raisins are amazing. Like, they're good, but they're not a substitute for candy. I mean, they kind of are. When you're, when you're like 11. Sure, if there's both candy and raisins, I'm going to go for the candy. But if there's a raisin, I'm going to go for the raisin. Yeah, that is, I guess that is true. I don't know. Raisins, I like a lot of dried fruit. Raisins uh, don't rank high on dried fruit for me. But I don't know. I'll still eat a raisin. I mean, I like raisins. I'm fine with raisins. But if you're like supposed to be giving me fun size candy bars and you give me raisins, I'm going to be very upset. That's why I feel like this is why people, uh, this is why like oatmeal raisin cookies get a bad rap. It's not because yeah. oatmeal raisin cookies are bad. It's, it's because, because you people th- are stupid. It's because you think you're going to eat a ho- chocolate chip cookie because they didn't check. And then they have raisins and no, raisins no, are no. a disappointing substitute for chocolate. Listen here. Oatmeal <laughs> and raisin cookies. Trash chocolate chip cookies. Oh, strong opinion. <laughs> That, that is a that hot is a, take. That is a very hot take. Also, 
not to derail this conversation, but just just to add to all of the things that have happened, uh, I just saw a like the breaking news. Fucking Alex Trebek died. Oh no. Yeah. I mean he he's um he's had pancreatic cancer for forever. But yeah, damn, that's a that's a bummer. years old. Well, God, what a fucking year this has been. <laughs> Jesus yeah. Christ. It's like, it felt like, like the first, uh, like most of the year has been about 30 years long. And then all of a sudden, like, and like nothing happened. And then all of a sudden, like, all the things have happened in the past, like, three weeks. I don't understand. Yeah. Oof. Almost 2021, gang. God damn it. I'm getting there. I, <laughs> Maybe. I keep, I keep thinking about this Tumblr post I saw that was, like, it's going to be, you know, December 31st at, like, you know, 23. The clock is going to be 23.59. And then it ticks over, and it's just going to be 2360, and we're going to be <laughs> in 2020 for the rest of our goddamn lives. It really does feel like it. I mean, it's not wrong. Like, nothing's going to happen. Yeah. I don't but know. It is a symbolic I don't know. Any Anything could happen. Destiel went canon. Like, that was never going to happen, and that happened. So who the fuck even knows anymore? I My didn't favorite think, reality um, show just ended as well. There you the go. American election. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. Well, to, to, to keep tuning in, because season two is coming shortly. There's, there's going to be a rerun for uh, the Georgia Senate, because it was too close. Um, so that, and that is going to basically determine control of the Senate because the overall Senate races are that tight. So, you know, mid, mid December, this is all going to happen again on a smaller scale. Yeah. It's never going to end. Huh. You're right. <laughs> um, I, I'm surprised that, um, Tumblr went so nuts over Destio being canon. I thought that Tumblr had taken a real hard turn on Supernatural, as well, well as like yes, the, the entirety have. of the internet. That's why it's weird. That's why it felt like 2013 again, because they're all the people like me who stopped watching like five, six years ago, who like completely disinvested from this show. And be because they spent like, you know, a good four or five seasons queer baiting, basically. Um, and then all of a sudden, it was like and like killing. So I I haven't watched Supernatural. I just see people talking about it, but it's like a ton of queer baiting. We're gonna kill all of our gay characters. We're gonna kill all of our female characters. Like that be, kind of yeah. Just, to be fair, yeah. it's more just we're gonna kill all of our characters. Period. They they the reason I stopped watching was that um, the show had a really bad habit of just killing off a character in order to raise stakes right like that's how they put tension in like yeah. mid-season and season finales is like oh is there a minor character we can kill off let's just kill off the minor character 
Um, so they killed off Felicia Day's character and I stopped watching, but she's still around. So, you know, it's supernatural. People don't have to stay dead. <laughs> like a lot of characters come back. True. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, the the hilarious part, it, like the thing is Destiel became canon in the most supernatural sort of way in that like uh, Cass admits his love and then immediately dies and gets dragged to hell. <laughs> so it's like, Yes, but also we went from queer baiting to bury your gaze in a matter of like 15 seconds. That is uh, pretty rough. <laughs> yeah. So, and it's huh. the third to last episode, right? Like this, people have been wanting this couple for like literally since the character of Cass was introduced in like season four. This is season 15 now. Um and so we're like, this was like the third episode from the very end of the series, and they introduce it now. It's it's almost like, it's it's almost worse, right? Because it's like you you could have done this ten years ago, and then we could have had like a really cool thing for ten years. I don't know. It's the Merlin series finale all over again, basically. I'll be honest. I didn't realize that Supernatural was still airing. I thought that I it had like ended, and this was sort of a, a, a post facto. We're making it canon, like J.K. Rowling style. No, um, this is this is part of the the show is 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 in its very final. They promised season. They did not get renewed for season sixteen. So fifteen is going to be the last one, and there are now two more episodes left. So we'll see what happens. I guess. Huh. Um, so here's, here's a, a TV recommend, well, I guess you're, I guess you're not watching, are you still watching Supernatural? <laughs> like, I, I guess you're not. <laughs> okay. I was gonna say, so Everett and I, um, recently found a TV series that we watched, two seasons, they got canceled after two seasons, uh, surprisingly really good. It was, um, I think it was, was it Fox or FX? It was one of those, they did a... TV series based on The Exorcist, and we're both like big mm -hmm. Exorcist fans. Really, like, way, way better than it had any right to be than either of us were expecting it to be. So, if that it 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 is kind of spooky, which I know you're not always into, but <laughs> if uh, if if you are looking for a short two season thing to watch, that's pretty dang good. Yeah, check out the Exorcist TV series. It's from like a couple years ago, so that's good to know. I I did also like recently finish watching The Magicians, um, although I didn't finish the last season. That had a fifth season. I watched the first four, and then I was so annoyed with the way season four ended, uh, and the fact that season five is not on Netflix <laughs> that I'm like, eh, <laughs> it's not worth it to me to pay to watch season five because it's behind a paywall. So I'm like, mm, yeah. maybe I'll watch it when uh, when it's on Netflix, but nah. And that's sort of that. In some ways, that scratches a lot of the same itches that Supernatural did. In that it's it's kind of like, you know, urban fantasy adventure stuff, but with a lot of like fun character drama. Um, I I kind of hated the first season, um, because there's this this one female character that like really just can't catch a break and they spend the entire season torturing her for no reason basically um but once they get oh, them nice. the fuck over that it gets much better around like mid-season two 
So yeah, The Magicians. It's not really a great show, but I had a lot of fun with it. It's it's a sort of like trashy fun. Yeah. It's a sci-fi show, so. Okay, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like You can just say it's a sci-fi show and it's like, okay, yeah, I know what I'm getting into. That's yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, so. I'm still thinking about uh, about Oren season two. I, <laughs> I hope that's real. I know. <laughs> I, can't, I can't stop thinking about it now. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah. it's a lot of a lot of stuff a lot of stuff coming out all at once about media and also real historical events putin is not resigning by the way that was a uh, a yeah. rumor spread by a british tabloid um but it was just funny that the the rumor popped up at pretty much the exact same time that destiel became canon <laughs> the, the like franken memes are pretty hilarious Yeah, that's it. Is a daring synthesis. <laughs> okay, is this? Have we? I feel like we've talked a lot about not video games, and while it's great, we maybe should talk about video game. We should. I what can keep say? talking about not video games, but we should probably talk about video games. That's yeah, about video game. <laughs> Specifically, uh, let's talk about Creeks. Uh, which is, I believe, the most recent game from Amanita Design, um, yeah, I think so. the Czech studio that I am very fond of. Um, and yeah, it's it's basically like a, an Edward Gorey book that you play through as a puzzle game. Yeah. It's like not exactly scary. It's just kind of like gothically themed. Yeah, it, like I, I was expecting, especially at the very beginning, that like the first couple areas you go through are pretty, uh, I don't want to say like creepy or scary, but they're definitely forbidding, I guess. Yeah. It, uh, it just kind of like these uh, musty old attic and everything is alive around yep. you. <laughs> um, yeah, the, so the premise, the premise is that you're, I don't know, a writer or something. You're a guy in a little apartment, and you notice this weird crawl space uh, in the behind the wallpaper. Um, something keeps thumping. So you, like, crawl into the crawl space, and you find, a, like, a passageway and a ladder. Uh, and you start to climb down the ladder, and then one of the thumps, like, dislodges the ladder, so you can't get back up. You can only go down. And as you go down, you find, like, the the ladder goes into this giant underground cavern, uh, which has this huge, creaky, uh, rickety house. Uh, reminds me a little bit of the, like, the weird house from um, uh, Edith Finch. That's, yeah. like, w just weirdly built and, like, oddly supported with struts and strange places and um yeah and, and so kind the of game... like it, it started out as a, a normal structure and then you just kind of build in like some rooms here some rooms there wherever you can put some rooms and it becomes this uh impossible looking conglomeration of just space yeah i like that kind of stuff yeah, it's a pretty it's a pretty cool space. And so the entire game is like working your way down through this rickety old house. Uh, and eventually you do uh, you find the denizens of this cave 
which are these like weird bird people. Um, and they've the you find out that the thumping is coming from their runaway robot, uh, giant robot cat, and uh, so you have to help them uh, put down the giant robot cat. And I like the little bird people. <laughs> I I really like the bird people. I was like I was certain when they first introduced the old uh, books Birdman that like that was going to be your big antagonist but no they eventually you actually meet them face to face after a whole lot of time like seeing them through a crack in the wall or a crack in the floor or whatever and they see you when they're just like hey buddy come here help us out we need your help and you just go with it yeah there's a lot yeah, of it, going with it yeah yeah i mean the, they do a they do a, an okay job of like um you know you can't go back up because the ladder is broken but like you would never go this deep into a scary house like this oh no like, rebuild the ladder get back up i think i think if i notice that crawl space and if on the very slim chance that i mustered up the courage to go into the crawl space. I think the second I saw a ladder leading down into a hole with no apparent bottom, I would have been out. <laughs> yep. Like way you out. Call, you call somebody at that point. You get yes. your landlord. <laughs> yes. I mean, I would just assume it was like a maintenance thing for something. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, true. Yeah, you call your landlord to deal with the thumping, and then he gets lost in the uh, in the giant uh, basement house yeah. cavern. There's um, also <laughs> like a, a secondary kind of narrative told through um, the, the collectibles in the game, which are these paintings, which is about how I'm not entirely sure. At first, the birds were kind of at odds with humans. And then they started cooperating, and the birds were uh, real into science and teaching fish how to swim through hoops. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's very vague in the way that there's a story um, behind all of those. I don't. It, it's it's a very loose narrative in the way that Amanita tends to deal in narrative, I guess. But yeah, it's you. Yeah, you could argue that it's like. <clears throat> <clears throat> maybe showing some kind of history or maybe it's mostly abstract it's kind of unclear but yeah they do they do seem to collect around a series of themes uh, and they do seem to go in a, roughly a chronological order i'll have to recheck on... those because i missed a few of the like middle ones i think so i think i was four paintings short uh at the end so i may have to go back and find like the last four I didn't look to see how many I got. I'm sure I didn't get all of them, but yeah. So as you as you go through this because... mysterious old house, you can sometimes run into these little paintings that just show up. Um, a lot of them are like in hallways that you have to go down, but a lot more of them are in like little hidden side rooms that you don't necessarily find easily. Um, and so they are, you know, finding all of them is the kind of main collectible thing in this game and a good chunk of them like you know maybe a quarter of them or so um maybe a little less are like little interactive mini games that you can play 
and there's a little achievement for winning each of those. Yeah, those were a nice a nice little touch. I I like I like just the concept of I don't I don't even know how you would describe the, the kind of thing it is, but the, music they're, they're box like, paintings. Yeah, pretty much. Or they're they're like um like old timey sort of Victorian automata, but in <laughs> painting format. Yeah, they're like wind up games. So you like yeah. pull a. All the paintings are at least animated, so you can like pull a string and like little parts will like move back and forth as though there's some kind of clockwork behind it. Um, but then yeah, there's these weird little <laughs> Victorian automata mini games where you're like you know sneaking you're like a a monster sneaking away from hunters or you're a bunch of hunters fighting off monsters or you're like a bird singing at a cabaret or you're a fish and someone's trying to teach you to jump through hoops <laughs> or that the absolutely wild one where you are trying to find a lost cat that one's <laughs> nuts yeah that one's a little weird that's like a like a path memorization labyrinth game mm -hmm. um there's one of them where you're you're two hunters back to back um and you're there's like little monsters that come at you and you have to try and shoot them um and like the up and once one hunter is controlled with the up and down keys and the other is controlled with the left and right keys and my brain just could not handle that so i ended up having huck use the other set of keys so we each controlled one character and could focus on it yeah there's not really a good reason i can see for why that's those are the controls I, I mean, I think it's done just to make it harder. I think that is literally the thing about the game that is challenging. Or maybe, or they could be trying to avoid using, like, other buttons. Maybe. Maybe it's, you know, but, would will be helpful for the controller port later or something. Yeah, what I did was simply, like, I moved left and, like, spammed the shoot button. I moved right, spammed the shoot button, moved up, and then down. <laughs> I you, just do all yeah, of them. you have enough time. Yeah, I could yeah. get, I think there were like four or five rounds, and I could get all but the last two uh, on my own, but then it was just like, uh, it's too many things to focus on. So I cheated. Um, but let's let's talk about, should we do this, talk about like the, the bird story first, or should we talk about the puzzle mechanics first? Uh, I don't know. What's your what, <laughs> what what part of those what part of the game of those two did you enjoy more, Kelso? I mean, I think there's a lot more game mechanics to talk about than there is story. Okay, well, in that case, let's get the story over first. Yeah, that works. Yep. Um, so the uh, so you are this guy, as we said, you get lost in this house, and you start seeing. So there's all this thumping. And periodically you see like these little, like not little, but these giant claws, uh, just like a little bit at the edge of the screen, like batting at the building and like, you know, knocking things over and, and collapsing pieces of the structure. Um, and as you uh, do this, you also encounter, uh, at first you see just this like old man bird and he keeps like going to various 
library type areas and looking at books and like angrily throwing them away. And so it becomes clear that he's looking for a book of some kind. Um, and then there's another bird that comes in and joins him who's like a soldier bird who has a little trumpet who's like very gung-ho who keeps trying to uh, destroy this. He's, he's helping the, the first bird look for a book, but he's also trying to like kill the big monster with the claws. Um, and then finally there's like a third bird and she seems to be some kind of like science bird some engineering bird and she has a little mole man friend i love who... i love the little uh, pipe mole guy i love him he's my favorite <laughs> yeah you can't see his face so but i don't like it doesn't seem like he's a bird person um he has like glo he's wearing gloves but i think he has like hands as opposed to wings so yeah i figured he was a robot and that the science bird built him but i don't know I don't know. If uh, there's I mean, any... I guess he could maybe, yeah, but it's difficult like, to say. He seemed to be like, from one of the diagrams, it looks like he was like a gardener who worked in the like botanical area next to her workshop. Oh, yeah, um, that makes sense. Which I don't know. I like to think that there's also a race of like weird mole people down there, and he's like the one mole person who came and hung out with the birds. But who the who the heck knows? I mean, yeah. There is, like, a weird race of people living in the botanical area in the background. That's true. Yeah, there are some. Well, yeah. some they're, like, mostly humanoid, uh, from what I remember. They're, like, weird, like, underground elves. So, who knows? He yeah. could be a tiny one of them, I guess. Um so yeah, so the the engineering uh, bird girl uh, keeps sabotaging the soldier bird to try and stop him from destroying the the big claw monster. Um, and eventually, you so eventually you um, the the old man bird finds the book he's looking for, but drops it, and then like part of it is like you trying to help get the book back to him um, but it like keeps falling down these various crevices so you have to keep chasing after it um, and he helps you out too at one point he gives you like a little magical doohickey um, well, not magical I guess technological but a thing you can use to control uh, some of the puzzles um, and eventually you you get to the point where you can physically meet up with the bird people uh, rather than just seeing them in other parts of the house. And they, uh, they're they grateful for you for getting this book. Uh, and you try and you, you finally get to see the monster and it's like this giant cat robot. <laughs> Pretty cool looking, actually. Yeah. Look very much like a boss from Zelda. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure it's got a giant blinking red weak spot somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could see that. Um and you, you do get to the um you do get to the engineering lady's uh workshop eventually and you discover that like she built this cat robot, I guess to power the town, like it was supposed to run in a giant hamster wheel and power their little underground city. 
um, but it broke loose uh, and is wreaking havoc. And she, at first she doesn't want to kill it, um, but then it eats her little mole friend. Uh, and then I guess she's like, ah, fuck it. I guess we have to kill it. Yeah. I really Some thought you were just going to like deactivate it and like send it back to sleep. But no, <laughs> that's not how it goes. Um, yeah. so you, you go with the birds down into this little, like, under, like, at the very bottom of the house, there's, like, a lake, uh, and a little sewer, so you go down into the little sewer, and you collect a weird gem flower thing, uh, and you put it into this lantern that she makes, and it's, surprise, it's a bomb. <laughs> and you, you have to yeah. go get eaten by the cat robot so you can explode it from the inside. Yes, but in doing so, you also uh, save the little mole man, which is yeah. great. I mean, I didn't expect him to be permanently dead, but it was still nice to get him back. <laughs> yep. And the cat is made out of, like, enemies. Yeah, it's it's made out of, like, enemies and furniture and just general kind of... Yeah, or rather, it's made out of furniture when you explode it. Yeah. Kind of implies it's made out of enemies. Yeah. Just general yes. building detritus and the enemies, yeah. Yeah, the, the whole system for the, like, everything in this underground area feels, like, half like it, it was a big mansion house that's sort of falling apart that had, you know, like, a, like a, a what's not, solarium? What's the word? Um, it's not greenhouse, but you know, conservatory, Arboretum? yes. Uh, yeah, oh, the conservatory, conservatory yeah. or arboretum. It has like a library. It has, you know, like workshops and like, you know, it was this old like big fancy mansion. And then half of it also feels like, um, you know, it was put together slapdash and sort of things were repaired and stuck on and added and <laughs> changed and modified. And so it's all this sort of chaos of building materials and weird furniture. And it's got this, this, like crazy old house aesthetic that's that's really fun um yeah so everybody everybody celebrates blowing up the uh the giant cat robot and uh you you play some music with the birds you make like a little band everybody dances and then the mole man helps you repair the ladder so you can get back up to your apartment the 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 dance party ending i think when that happened i just looked at it and said man this really is an amanita game <laughs> yeah, wouldn't be nominated a game without a dance party. Ending. I love it. It's great. Yeah. Yep. Uh, uh, yeah. And then you go back up the ladder and go go to bed. Yep. Even though it's daytime now, but no more, no yeah, more something. You deserve it. You deserve yep. it. Yeah. You've been up all night doing, uh, you know, monster fighting. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the the aesthetic also plays into sort of the central conceit of the puzzles, which I really really love, which is that all of the enemies in the puzzles are uh, like furniture come to life. Um, like the first enemy you meet is this sort of like angry robot dog that chases you around and tries to kill you, but if you can shine a light onto it, it turns into a little like. A nightstand dresser <laughs> mm -hmm. and so all of the enemies end up being like that there's a the little dog that's actually a dresser there's a jellyfish that's like a globe um, there's weird spiky head 
people who are like coat stands. Mm-hmm. Um, am I missing one? Is that it? There's, there's the sheep, which are oh, yeah. sheep goat things, which are chairs. Yeah. Um, and I think I think that's it. I think yeah, that's I th- it. yeah, because yeah. there's two there's two kinds of hat racks, but or coat racks. There's like one that's uh, one that's just the coat rack, and one that's the coat rack with like a giant fur coat on it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, all of it's one of those like environmental puzzles where they introduce a series of mechanics gradually over the course of the game. And it's about steadily like mastering those mechanics and learning to interweave them um, in an interesting way. So kind of like like Portal or similar. Um, I had thought the that it might be a little more adventure gamey because some Amanita games, uh, you know, like Botanicula and Machinarium both have a kind of adventure gamey sort of feel where it's like you have an inventory full of stuff and you you know certain people need certain things and you use the stuff you find to like create new situations in the environment or interact with people. Um, But this is like, here are the rules. Here's a sequence of levels that use those rules, figure them out. Yep. Yeah. It feels very much like an, I I kind of want to say old school, but not that old school, like a 2010 ish indie games. (laughs) Yeah. Style of like puzzle games. Yeah, that's fair. There were there were moments mm-hmm. that were almost kind of braid-like in certain ways. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so the so the first mechanic is the dogs. Um, dogs have a little mat that they sleep on. Uh, if you get close to them, they will first growl and then start chasing you. Uh, and they will chase you up until you either go through light they will not pass through light of their own volition uh or you change your verticality like you go up or down from them on a ladder although you have to get out of the way because they can pull you off the base of a ladder if you're not careful they won't they won't chase you across gaps i think that's true yeah they also they also can't cross gaps yeah um so if they catch you they will eat you but if you can trap them under light uh, then, and they will try and move out of light whenever possible. But if you can trap them under light, then they will turn into a little dresser and you can use the little dresser to like stand on to reach high places or as a, like a heavy, you can use it, the dog or the dresser as like a heavy thing to weigh down switches, which do things like, you know, let down, uh, like little drawbridges or turn on lights in various areas or like move things along, um, like a little conveyor rack type thing. Um, so there's a variety yeah, of the, of interactions. The main conceit of, I guess, every puzzle is basically uh, get everything moved into the proper configuration, mm-hmm. which is a simple concept that can be not so simple to execute. Yeah, the, it's it's basically like. <clears throat> there is an like and you came in from one side you're trying to get through the house so there is an exit somewhere else in this level and you have to get to the exit but usually there's like enemies in your way or there's gaps you have to cross or there's you know ladders you have to construct things like that um so 
they also, you know, they introduce some basic things like light switches uh, and so forth pretty early on. Um, and then I think this, the next major, do you get the little uh, Turner gizmo um, before or after the jellyfish? I want to say after. after, yeah. Okay, yeah. So the next thing would be the jellyfish. Um, the jellyfish patrol, they've got like one big eye on the front and they move along a path. And when they run into a wall, they will first try to go up if they can go straight up. They will then try to go down if they can go straight down. If they can do neither, they will turn around and go back the way they came. Um, so a lot of that is about arranging obstacles in their path to try and get them to go on a different route than they have been. So you can trap them under lights and, you know, they will also, they also interact with dogs. So if they are approaching, dogs will try and back out of their way as much as possible. Oh, God, I forgot about that. I forgot about how cute that is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I always felt really bad about turning the dogs in particular back into furniture. Um, <laughs> They're very the scary. And they do kill you very violently, but they are also kind of cute. Yeah, they are just dogs. So, yeah. yeah. I didn't feel the same uh, the same sentiment towards the rest of the enemies, but the dogs definitely. I was like, I if I can keep you a dog, I'll do that. <laughs> you deserve yeah, I mean... to sleep on your little mat. But maybe yeah. all folks just want to be furnished. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know what? That's a philosophical question that I'm not ready to answer right now. <laughs> <laughs> I think it depends on the personality of the dog. Um, yeah, so you, when you, if you can trap the, uh, the jellyfish under a light, it becomes a little, like, globe in a stand. Um, and again, you can like push those around to make them into like little or to use their weight to like turn on switches and stuff. I don't think you can climb on the globes, unlike the uh, the dressers. So yeah. you um, so you just have to to move them around to solve other puzzles. Uh, and then the then you interact with Old Man Bird, and Old Man Bird gives you. Um, like a little, it looks like a coffee grinder. It looks like a manual coffee grinder, um, but it can be used yeah. to uh, to activate or deactivate certain technology in levels. Like you press the button to turn on a light. So that gives you some control over the environment that's not just based on your position and enemy positions, um, which greatly steps up the complexity of certain puzzles. Um, and then I think next is hat racks, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think the, you get the first one you meet is the one that, um, mimics your movements. Yeah. So yeah, there's these weird, like shadowy guys in trench coats with very spiky heads and they will impale you on the spiky, <laughs> their spiky heads if you get too close to them. Uh, but they will also try as much as possible to mimic your movements uh horizontally only i think um because they can't climb ladders and yeah. things um so the when you move right they try to move right if you move left they try to move left and as you do in puzzles like these you end up you know moving them around by pushing them into walls so you can go further in certain directions you can change how far offset they are from you and then you like get them to go onto an elevator while you're in front of the switch and you lift up the elevator to put them on a different 
vertical plane and then you get them to walk, you know, walk over to a thing. I don't know. There's one where you have to walk uh, in the middle of a large group of them with two on oh. either side is basically yeah. like bodyguards, which is kind yeah. of fantastic. Yeah, I think that one was my favorite. And then and then you basically trap them all behind a wall uh, mm -hmm. so that you can get around them. That one. Yeah, that one was a good one. Yeah. Uh, and then they introduce a like lady version of the spiky head um, who's in like a big fur coat and she uh, mirrors all of your movements. So she w moves the exact opposite way that you do. And there is a great puzzle later on with both uh, both the lady version of the hat rack or the coat rack and the, the man version of the coat rack where you have to get them to meet in the middle of the screen and they, they kiss and it's very cute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that one is very sweet. Um, and then last, they introduce the goats. And uh, goats are really interesting and weird. They, uh, they're not really as aggressive as the other enemies. They will kill you if you trap them like with nowhere to run and get right up next to them. They will kill you. Uh, but otherwise, they just always try to run away from you. So, and they they will stop to eat on patches of grass uh, when given the opportunity. If you're if you're away from them for long enough, they will go to the nearest patch of grass and start eating. Um, so the goal for them is to try and uh, sort of herd them into the direction that you want. <clears throat> and yeah, they become little chairs. So like the dressers, you can use them to stand on to get to high places if you need. I was rarely confident that I knew where the sheep were going to go. Or the goats. Yeah, they, they do feel a little bit random because they can hop up walls. And so they travel through like like wall and floor based gaps. And yeah, I I didn't always I kind of just always assumed that like the the goat would move roughly the way I wanted it to go because puzzles were designed that way and that seemed to be the case. But it didn't yeah, feel they didn't feel predict yeah, they didn't feel predictable in the same way. Like it wasn't always clear what their rules are mm -hmm. in terms of movement. The jellyfish are super clear because like when they get to the end of a space, they like look up and then look down and then turn around. <laughs> so you can like clearly mm -hmm. tell what they're like quote-unquote thought process is it's much harder to tell with the goats yeah i think i think it's like if there is a wall with a gap immediately above it then they'll move up but mm -hmm. i it's it's i haven't played those puzzles in a while so i, I couldn't <laughs> say for sure mm -hmm. yeah they're they're pretty cute the goats um they feel I don't know, very goaty in the sense that they're like stubborn and hard to control. Yeah, yeah, that's um, true. But, uh, but they, you know, they're cute in their own ways. And unlike everything else, they're not like actively aggressively trying to kill you. So, yeah. <clears throat> and yeah, I think that's, well, I was going to say that's basically all the mechanics. But that's not true because the, you can get down into the sewer section uh, and then you get the weird like, elephant pipes yeah the elephant pipes and the light then also turns water into like tile that you can walk on yeah um so yeah, yeah there's uh, there's these weird pipes and they like gush uh 
water when when they're when the lights on them they are a static pipe that gushes water uh but when the light is not on them they're like this weird like tentacly trunk thing that like tries to like reach out towards you if you're standing nearby <laughs> so you do that to like get the pipe to change directions and then turn it back into a pipe so it'll put water on these like little water wheels and then there's a lot of like water wheel spinning puzzles yeah not a whole, like i think there were only like three or four puzzles with with the pipes this is yeah, very much it's, like it's the, right at the end yeah like the last thing that they came up with or maybe something they came up with earlier and couldn't figure out what to do with so they just kind of stuck it in at the end i don't know yeah I it mean, sort it's... of felt like that but you know yeah it, it works. doesn't feel it doesn't feel bad and it doesn't really feel like out of sync with the other puzzles it's just that it's introduced so late that there's just not a lot of opportunity to use it so it's a little less yeah. fleshed out than the other things but i i do really yeah. like it when a game takes the opportunity to do to like really explore something in depth right like that was my that mm -hmm. was my kind of my problem with portal 2 was that I felt like it it introduced so many new mechanics that you didn't really get a chance to fully explore like the puzzle space with any given one of them. Um, yeah. And this one, I felt like they really like took an idea and they went as far as they could with variations on it and doing like interesting, neat, cute tricks with it. Yeah, and there are a lot of variations on pretty much every every mechanic. It it's really well thought out i think yeah they so. we we opened up a big like map here how many puzzles does it say are on the map um it's 61 but that's 16. uh that's screens not puzzles yeah that's not fair. all yeah not all of those are puzzles but um yeah i would say probably probably roughly like 50 because it yeah i think it does count the scenes towards the end where you're just where you're following the engineer um back through the rest of the house i think it counts those as well so mm -hmm. probably yeah probably about 50. yeah so that's that's a lot of puzzles that's a lot of puzzles yeah um and, and they don't feel like there's a whole lot of round retread mm -hmm. it, it is it is very much like you know okay you learned this now we're gonna put a twist on it and build upon it yeah, good good puzzle design. Yeah, and I felt I felt pretty good about the difficulty. There were like maybe half a dozen rooms where I was like, I don't understand how this could at all be possible to solve. And then I I was like, okay, I'm not gonna look up a walkthrough yet. I'm gonna like just play with it for 10 minutes and see if anything occurs to me and luckily something always occurred to me and i did end up getting it so i did not end up having to resort to a walkthrough but there were a few times where i was like pretty close to doing so yeah i i i mostly only resorted to the walkthrough on the um, the coat rack puzzles because i i hate those kind of i hate that kind of puzzle mechanic where there's something that's you know moving in sync with you it it is just always frustrating to me. So, were you, were you traumatized by Braid, and you can never enjoy those puzzles again? I don't think it was Braid. I think it was. Um, uh, I want to say it was one of the Zelda games that had that in it, in like a single part, mm -hmm. and like when I was a kid, 
<laughs> it just it just pissed me off so much. Yeah, that's uh, right. It might in have been the mask. Yeah, there's also some there's some guys oh, yeah. like that in one of the the 2D Zeldas, one of the Game Boy ones. Yeah. Um where they're like these little I want to say it's Link's Awakening maybe. There's like these little like weird pink pink winged dudes that that copy your motions. <clears throat> Yeah. that are unfun yeah, yeah they're in multiple games yeah I, and i'm pretty sure that's where it said from is one of those i definitely remember <laughs> the twilight princess one so that one might have been it um but yeah braid 2 i never i never did finish braid um but i, I never really like braid but the puzzles are hard yeah yeah braid yeah. was like a little too far i think the i remember in braid the <clears throat> the one where you sort of like you like record yourself and then like a copy of you repeats a thing while you do something else like there were some there were some parts where i'm like i can't my brain doesn't work this way i don't i just don't think in these shapes i'm sorry yeah yeah whereas this one felt pleasantly and it's it's honestly i was pretty surprised because i'm used to I guess I was expecting more with like, um, you know, the Samorost or the Botanicula or like to, to some extent Pilgrims, where their games tend to be just like, you know, rub all the objects in your inventory against this thing uh, and like, or, you know, like click on all the weird things on this screen and watch fun interactions happen until eventually you click the right thing and then you get to progress. Um, yeah, and that's, they're just that's, sort of. That's also what I was expecting. I was not expecting such a puzzle-heavy um, thing, but I liked it. I liked it more than Machinarium. Machinarium is a little too far into um, the adventure game old, space. Old school adventure gamey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I haven't played. I haven't played Pilgrims. Is Pilgrims good? Uh, I've only seen it played a little bit. I haven't played okay. it myself. Um, it's more along the lines of like a botanicula. The idea is that there's like a series of scenes that are like an individual encounter. <clears throat> and you have, I think you have like a, you have maybe, you have one or two decks of cards. You have a deck of card that's like the characters that you have, who have joined you on your journey so far. And you can play a character to interact with the scene. And you can give them an object to use to interact in the scene. And so, like, each unique combination of, like, character and object has an animation that they do. And you have to figure out which combination of character and object, like, completes the scene. And I think there's, like, actually, mo for most scenes, there's a few different ways you can solve it. Um, but, you know, it's mostly an excuse to have, like, cute, weird little <laughs> uh, character right, yeah. moments. I, I haven't played Pilgrims and I haven't played, um, what's the other one? Uh, Chuchel. I haven't played Chuchel. I want to play Chuchel. I haven't though. played Chuchel yet either. I want to play Chuchel or Chuchel. Chuchel looks very um, cute. Oh, yeah. Is that how that's pronounced? I don't know, it's, man. It's, it's, <laughs> so I, I was watching a, or I don't remember if I was like watching a, an interview or, or like reading like an article or a tweet or something, but uh, in Czech it would be Chuchel, which is like, um, like okay. a dust bunny, basically. But the Amanita team said, like, at this point, we're so used to people calling it Chuchel that we just call it Chuchel internally. <laughs> so, yeah. if you want people to pronounce it, do it in the language they speak. Yeah, yeah. although there's I mean, not like, really the yeah, there's, there's, there's not really no that phonetic right sound 
in English. Yeah, there's no there's no phonetic way to write Huchel in uh, in English. No. So yeah, they were doomed from the start. <laughs> yeah, when they show that name. Yeah, they doomed yeah. themselves. But it's fine because Chuchel is a is a cute sounding word. So yeah, it is. Yeah, that's what um, I have to pick up. Yeah, I, that's the that's the only one. And I I guess I think they did some kind of Samorost re-release or something recently, where they maybe released like a collection of all three of them. I haven't played the third one. I've only played. Oh, yeah, the I haven't first played the third one either. Yeah, um, I forgot that there was a third one. Amanita making games. <clears throat> yeah, making cute <laughs> little fun animation games. Yeah. Um, I spent a lot of time playing this game, trying to like mentally map the space between puzzle game versus adventure game, right? Because they do have some Venn diagram overlap. Um, but -hmm. I was like, what makes this a puzzle game and machinarium an adventure game? And it's like, well, there's inventory. And I think it's the main thing is that like, every puzzle has a unique solution in an adventure game, right? Like you're expected to come up with the solution based on the narrative that's going on, right? Based on like, this is a dog, therefore I should probably feed it or, you know, like give it a toy. And like this, this is a band of people who are missing instruments. So I should be on the lookout for instruments, right? Like it's all dependent on the narrative context. Um, Whereas, with a game like this, with a puzzle game, rules are established early, and then each new like puzzle you come across is some variation on those rules, um, or some building on those rules. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't thought yes. of it in those terms before, but I think that's that's where I eventually came to. Yeah, it's, it's I would I would say like puzzle solving via mechanic versus puzzle solving via item like yeah which is which is just a a a, uh less detailed version of what you said (laughs) (laughs) good summary yeah i would say it comes down to mostly presentation yeah that's part of it too for sure um but they like these both have narratives they both have cute characters they both have a like an overarching goal that is presented to you early, um, which it's a little bit less clear in. So I was say it's I... a little bit less clear in Creeks, but actually you don't learn that your girlfriend has been kidnapped until a well, well ways into Machinarium. So maybe it's actually clearer in Creeks. Yeah. I had no idea that I wanted to go back in Creeks. Well, yeah. Like... I got no, like, no nothing that made me like expect that i wanted to go back i mean agreed uh i was thinking more that like the goal in creeks is get through the house is like travel through the space to to the bottom like because you start by climbing down and so it's like continue to climb down whereas in machinarium eventually you get to a little city and then it's like i guess i'm just exploring the city to figure out what the heck i have to do that's certainly like the player's goal, but yeah. not so much the character's goal. Yeah, it's definitely not as clear as we were talking about with the last game with uh, Rocky, 
<clears throat> that you have um like the character's goal is very clear right like save brother <laughs> yeah yeah um so this is a little bit more kind of mario style goal where it's like well there's clearly one direction you can travel so go that way where's the ice level wow. um, thank god there to... isn't one <laughs> yeah there's definitely nothing with ice physics um i'm trying to think of like what all the little like level areas were um there was definitely like a like a gem museum that you were wandering through at one point. There was like a African safari type, uh, like you know, big masks and things. Um, there was the the conservatory with like big glass ceilings. There's what feels like a wizard's tower. I'm not even sure. Yeah. Um, there, I, I want to say there was like an observatory type of place, mm. which is maybe also part of the wizard tower. Um, I'm just looking through these screenshots yeah. in this guide. The, one of the really cool things they do is when you first descend into the area, they do this big zoom out so you can see how the house is all interconnected to each other. Um, and then the entire game is like uh, getting your way through this maze of a house and like traveling to all of these rooms. And then at the very end, you take a series of elevators back up through all the spaces you were that you've been to. And it feels like a really good kind of like summary, like, Hey, here's everything you did. Remember this area? Remember this place? Remember how you solved this puzzle? And it's kind of a nice little wrap up. Yeah. Yeah. I like, and you, I like, you get they, to see how the whole house is connected again. Yeah. Especially with a, with a map this big, it's, it's nice to sort of get that flyover. Um, and they sort yeah. of they sort of do a similar thing at the beginning where you climb down a bunch of ladders that you can't get off of. So mm -hmm. you go through and you sort of see how those upper um, series of rooms are laid out, but you can't access them until later. Yeah, yeah. They they clearly put a lot of care into making sure that the house like was one contiguous space and could be represented mm -hmm. as one contiguous space, which practically speaking, it's kind of not as you play. Uh, it'll be like a sequence of levels and then you'll go like down a ladder or down a um, an elevator that will be a load screen um, that will take you to the next area. Um, I assume just for performance reasons, because there's no reason to render like everything in the game if you don't yeah. need to. Um, but it it's definitely feels like you could sit and make one giant map of everything together. And I hope they did. Um, I feel like I think they did. Um, I did actually see um, Jakob Tversky talk about this at the Reboot Red conference. Um, it, but this was like right before it came out. So I didn't really have a ton of context about the game. So I don't remember a lot of the details, unfortunately. Um, but I think he said that the... Uh, you know, they they drew it out as one entire big contiguous map because they really wanted to feel like it's you know it's one big old house that you're exploring. Yeah, that's cool. I would, like a real I would space. love to see if 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 you can find that. I would love to see that. the The space um, it reminds me of when I was like real little. It reminds me of drawings that I would do of like I would fill you know an entire sheet of printer paper with like 
a, a cross section of an anthill. And like yes. all like all the little tunnels and like the rooms and you there I would like draw the little ants and it would become this like just this page full of sort of like labyrinthine structures and here's how everything connects. And that's what I kept thinking about when I played this. It was a nice, nice thing to remember because I had sort of forgotten about that. Yeah. I would do like like uh, like ant hills and I would do these big giant like treehouse structures. Um yeah. That yeah, that, something... that 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 trademark Amanita whimsy. <laughs> yeah, for in a, sure. In a, in a different, in a different sort of way. Yeah, it's there's there's definitely like this sort of childhood, like map drawing phase. I feel like that's like not necessarily everyone goes through, but right, it's like having a horse phase or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a, you go through yes. your maps phase where you really like drawing maps, <laughs> and it's like yeah. yeah I, I definitely had a lot of like Dungeons and Dragons style like map layouts. Like, yeah. You know, here's these chambers and here's where the treasure is and here's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That kind of stuff is fun. I wouldn't have the patience to do it now, but. I mean, yeah. that's that's a level design in a nutshell. So yeah. I never yeah, grew out of it, much. I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You should, make, uh, you should make a game that takes place. Well, no, I guess this is like Lee's thing, but a game that takes place in an anthill. As <laughs> yeah. soon as I said it, I was like, oh, no, that's Lee's thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think Lee's, Lee's anthills were procedurally generated, so they didn't even get to, like, <laughs> create fun maps. <laughs> I guess that's true. Yeah. The Ansel did it for you. That was more about, uh, from what I remember, the anthill game was more about... Um, like uh what are they called cellular automata um the idea that you have a bunch of oh, uh yeah. a bunch of actors that each have their own copy of like a set of behaviors and then you kind of have to experiment with working the entire group together to accomplish goals based on what everyone's individual rules are mm -hmm. that's um, like which is also like a game of life thing yeah yeah it's also right? a super fascinating okay. space yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's basically like if if every little individual actor has their own rules, how does the entire system function together as a as a big system? What's what's the um uh what's the word? Um not evocative. The and like like environmental storytelling but uh for for mechanics. Oh, like uh, emergent Emergent. Thank is you. That... that is the word I was looking okay. for. Yes. Uh, so it's, it's about. <laughs> um, yeah, it's about emergent system behavior. So based on a bunch of little rules, you get one big emergent system that is like the the amalgamation of all those little behaviors, yeah. um, which is also a really cool design space and really fascinating. And I totally get where Lee was coming from in uh, in their interest in that that space. So yeah. Um, it's it's sort of like map building, but you know, for mechanics. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I guess like you know, peripheral stuff. The the sound design and and is really fun as usual on Amanita Design Games. Mm -hmm. The little like nonsense talking that the bird people do is is pretty fun. Um, the soundtrack is nice. The art is of course gorgeous in this like weird Edward Gorey style. <laughs> Yeah, Edward Gorey with a little bit of like rolled doll thrown in with a lot yeah. of like scribbliness. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah, always, always good art. Uh, okay, here's a question. Rank, rank the birds. My favorite bird was, so I, I always, I internally referred to them as old bird, jock bird, and nerd bird. And I think my favorite <laughs> is jock bird. I like, I like I, jock bird. <laughs> jock bird is pretty great. I think I like nerd bird best. Nerd bird, I mean, nerd bird has, I think, the strongest character development. <laughs> Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Insofar as any of them have character development, but Nerdbird at least just wants to make some flowers grow. Yeah. Well, and she wants to build giant robots, giant destructive robots. <laughs> she was so excited about that cat robot. She really loved it. And then it went, then it broke out and was a crazy awful monster because, of course, it was. It's a giant cat robot. Yeah. I mean, yeah. she built it to be a giant monster robot. Yeah. Because that's yeah, how like... robots work. Yep. Speaking of cats, hang on just a second. My cat is howling outside the door, and I'm going to let him in and see if he behaves. So give me like two seconds here. <laughs> okay. Oh, no. Cat's going to go maniac mode. I wonder if we'll get to hear okay. little meows. He's in. I miss I hearing little, I miss hearing like little audible meows in the background. Little? Cliffo's meows were uh, anything but little. <laughs> yeah, okay. no, I mean, fair. <laughs> okay, I've got him. He is purring, but he also oh, doesn't want to sit still. So we're going to see how this goes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. If you need to jump up and defend items in the room, <laughs> I that's, might. that's fine. Um see <clears throat> yeah i do i the the jock bird was mostly just like pretty funny like his whole his whole thing is he's a good comic relief character uh because he keeps trying to do all these like traps and like running off into things and he keeps getting sabotaged and like bonked in the head and um he's he has this cute little like crest of head feathers that he raises when yeah. he's excited <laughs> yeah there's a surprising amount of slapstick in this game. Yeah, there yeah. really is. Yeah, especially with the book like constantly being like knocked down a crevice, and it's like, no! I saw this coming, and I'm still upset. <laughs> yep, just let me get it already. Yeah. Um, but it's it's fun. It's it's a. It's a sort of, I guess, like childish uh, sense of humor in a lot of ways, but not in a way that like is eye rolling more in a way that's kind of like universally, uh, you know, memorable from childhood. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it it reminds me of um, like <laughs> that that's sp that specific type of slapstick with, you know, Low violence, low stakes slapstick reminds me of Winnie the Pooh and how Eeyore would always build his little stick house and then something would always happen and destroy his little stick house. Yep. That's what it reminds me of. Yeah. Low stakes slapstick is a really good description of the sort of sense of humor of this game. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess the stakes are kind of, like, I feel like the the giant cat robot would eventually destroy the entire house. But Yeah, no, the, the narrative stakes are very high. The slapstick stakes are very yeah. low. <laughs> yeah. 
Although you do at the end, like literally blow up a robot while you're inside it, which feels like you should not have been able to survive. But yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. Can you blow it up, or do you just turn the light on? I guess it is a very bright light, and arguably, I guess everything else turned back into furniture when you when you turn the light on. So I guess that could be what happened. That reminds me, do our. <laughs> This, like, there's not even anything to talk about here, but I still feel like I gotta bring up at the very, not at the very end, but when right before you get the bright light crystal thing, you go through a room and there's a guy there who is just like a human, but with a giant flower for a head. And he's <laughs> yeah. just kind of hanging out in the background, doesn't do anything but like blink. He's in yeah, a I, I think that freaked me out more than anything. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing, buddy? I don't yeah. like that. All of a sudden you get you get like a little Alice in Wonderland sequence right at the end yeah. where it's like, what the fuck is going on? There's yeah. also like a little mermaid down in the lake. Oh, I think I didn't I think I missed that. Yeah. Yeah, she's sort of down in the background. There's there's a lot of like little details in the background that if you like stop there for a little bit and inspect it, it's they're like stuff that's easy to miss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's, yeah, I guess the implication is like you are, you know, this this thing is not part of their normal area. They have to go to somewhere, some other domain to get it. I'm surprised that nobody like puts up a fuss when you take their, you know, magical light crystal flower thing. Yeah. Um, also kind of surprised that they knew it was down there, like. Well, because... that's from the book, right? The the book is tells them all about the crystal. That's what's yeah. in on the cover. So I guess I guess that's true. I I sort of was operating under the assumption that the three of these birds built this house, and they're kind of the only people who've ever inhabited it. But I guess that that's not necessarily true. So somebody else probably came before them and built the house and wrote the book. Otherwise, they've just been there forever, and they knew that it was there and wrote about it at some other point. Yeah, I. Yeah, I yeah, had the impression that these these people are like a fragment of a much larger civilization. Um, but I'm I never really th put much thought into like what happened to that civilization. Yeah, I also like the idea, and they they kind of allude to it in the paintings that all of the bird people live underground, which is an <laughs> interesting juxtaposition. Yeah, but I guess if there's this much cavernous space underground, they could still fly even though none of these okay. birds have been shown to fly but yeah they don't seem to be able to fly yeah yeah you would assume that if soldier bird could fly he would spend more time flying to attack the the guy it yeah. would be a way more efficient way to move around this house <laughs> yeah rather than all of the like rickety old elevators and, and ladders, ladders and whatnot yeah, would it kill you to build a staircase instead of a ladder? My god. How, how do they even use ladders? They don't have, they don't really have hands. I mean, I mean they can't build a staircase in 2D. I guess that's true. Well, I mean... Only from the side. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like a lot of times the ladders were the biggest enemy um, that I had. In terms of, like... I have to get off this ladder quickly because of a timing of a puzzle, but oh no, it won't let me get off the ladder, or I walked past and accidentally got on the ladder and I didn't mean to. But that's just, you know, 
not not the worst problem in the world and not a not a terribly prevalent one either but i don't know ladder ladder anxiety <laughs> i just i just had a weird mental flashback to a a game i made in uh in grad school that was like climbing ladder based it was sort of like a donkey kong style game uh called super gender climber um where you had to climb a series of ladders and there were a bunch of like stereotypical like male and female toys uh falling from the ceiling and whenever you bumped into one it changed like your gender meter um and you had to at the end you were like judged by a uh by like either a like really masculine coach or like a really feminine like etiquette teacher and uh they like demanded that you be you know to one it didn't matter which gender you were just you had to be gendered enough to get by them okay it was uh i don't know that's that's a very much a tangent but yeah. it, uh... <laughs> sounds like a social commentary game <laughs> yeah it was it was pretty tongue-in-cheek but yeah. uh I've, like um i was just thinking of like yeah no ladders are way easier in 2d than stairs there's that a reason that ladders are like the thing yeah. you use yeah <sighs> yeah I think and, uh, way easier to animate true i think the ladders would be the only real deal breaker for living in this house for real well it's probably pretty drafty i can't imagine that it's like a, a like it doesn't look like there'd be like comfortable places to sleep it doesn't yeah. look like the house would support itself yeah like it feels like yeah, it would be very fine. dangerous <laughs> that's fine live on the, the edge bir the I'm birds, sure are, don't the birds are probably like, much lighter why don't you just live at the bottom that's true you could live closer to the like lake and it's actually very nice once you get all the way down there yeah um you could also live in the like caverns with the weird flower people and uh no, no thank you we people <laughs> um, i will take my chances in the rickety house I yeah do we not also like the flower man we also didn't really talk about there's like a kind of a fun boss sequence at the end a little bit i don't know fun is maybe the wrong word uh exciting um there's there's uh it's like the pretty much the only time in the game when like your reaction time actually matters um it doesn't matter a lot but if you don't immediately like move to follow the bird as it's like leading you down the thing then you're uh then the big cat robot will squash you <laughs> Oh, you can fail those? I yeah, I guess you can fail I didn't, those. like try. Oh, okay. It, I failed the I first one it... because I thought it was a cutscene and I kept waiting. Uh oh. and then like it, you know, I waited for like 5 seconds and then the thing killed me. And I'm like, "Oh, I guess this is not oh, a wow. cutscene." Yeah, I guess as I was going through it, it it looked like the like whatever the swatting animation was triggered by you know you've you've moved past a certain point so we're gonna block it off you can't go backwards but mm -hmm. oh i guess you can fail it huh <laughs> yeah and it just does the same thing that all puzzles in the game do where it like there's actually a really cool like death animation thing they do where the game like narrows to uh, a little like circle of color and then you and the enemy are in silhouette as it kills you yeah that's true i forgot about it. 
how how effective that is. And the the animations change sometimes depending on, you know, the specific. Like yeah, there's a specific I... animation for getting bitten by a dog, but there's a different one for if he bites you while you're going up a ladder and you weren't fast enough. So originally I thought like, oh, it's just playing a static animation of how I died, but I think they actually animate the death in the scene because so, it's oh. very specific to how you die. Like if the dog pulls you down off a ladder, it pulls you down from exactly where you were on the ladder. If the dog pulls you up off the top of a ladder, then the dog pulls you up. If there's like two things in the scene, you see both things in the scene. Like I'm, I'm pretty sure that it's actually just like animating the death, but the death was like the death animations were gruesome enough that they're like, <laughs> shit, we got to slap a filter on this to like make it a silhouette. I mean, it yeah. could be, but there is one death animation which is like uh, the tentacle one, like sort of chases you off screen, mm -hmm. kind of kills you off screen. Yeah, I I still think that might be way. animated. I could be wrong. Like I I don't I mean, actually know be. how they made it, but I I saw enough like really unique looking ones that I it occurred to me like I think they might just be like animating this in world, like turning off all of the puzzle colliders and stuff and animating it in world and then uh and then just putting slapping a cool filter on it to make it a silhouette. Yeah. That's kind of annoying to do though. Maybe. Because you have to like animate both the enemy and the character. Yeah, but like a lot of them are animations that, you know, like they already have you know, character controllers and stuff, and you otherwise you have to individually animate every single possible death configuration for every puzzle, which seems like a lot. <clears throat> so I don't know. Um, yeah, that would be interesting. I mean, you could you could make renders based off of like your already. That's true, animated. but if you're if you're animating them to do renders anyway, why not just do it in engine? <laughs> Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it, this is all speculation on our part, short of, like, uh, if we ever see, like, a, a GDC talk about the making of this game, <laughs> we'll check it out. Uh, I'd like, I'd love to know. Uh, but yeah, so there's a, there's a final sequence where, like, the boss monster is chasing you around, um, the, the final area and you have to you know get to a point where you can jump on it and and you jump into its mouth and get eaten and in order to set off the bomb and it's kind of a it's kind of a cute sequence um it's not it's not really puzzly it's more just you know like click on the thing to follow but because it's you know the first time you've actually had the monster like fully on screen and chasing you it, it feels very exciting so I enjoyed it. Uh, I think that might be it. Are we all done? Yeah, I think I'm done. Yeah. I don't have a whole lot else to say. Good game. Good pick. Yeah. Good. Another Thank good, you. another solid Amanita game. Yep. <laughs> I do enjoy them as a studio. Their games are always like, just, just really like whimsical and like reminiscent of childhood in a way that's like fun. Yeah. Oh, uh, all right. I did not hear them. Oh, he's he might. Well, he's being a little quiet, but he's also not as loud. So I don't know if my mic is filtering him out, but 
we talked a little bit. Well, um, speaking of segues, uh, the next game we're going to play is Evil Land. Um, So specifically, uh, we're getting the Evil Land Legendary Edition on Steam, which is the, it's a two-pack. It's Evil Land 1 and Evil Land 2. And the plan is to play all of Evil Land 1 and then see how much of Evil Land 2 we get through. Uh, because it's a little long for the podcast. If we're really into it, um, we may end up extending this to uh, more than two weeks. But basically, uh, the the gimmick of this game, uh, it's by Shiro Games. Uh, and the basic idea is that progression through the game is progression through the history of games. So it starts with like very simple black and white graphics uh, and like and like old school genres of game and the idea is that as you progress through the game you like the the style of the mechanics and the style of the art like moves forward through the history of video games um which is a really cute concept and i'm looking forward to seeing uh how it's executed uh my understanding is that the first game is not as solid as the second one the first one was sort of made as an experimental thing, and then the second one just kind of expands on the idea much more, uh, and is much more interesting, but who knows? Did the first one start out as a Ludum Dare game, or am I thinking of something else? I have no idea. (laughs) Okay. I did not do as much research for this as I possibly should have. Yeah, it's whatever. We, We play it fast and loose here on the podcast, and that's fine. Uh, the design... Development. Uh, yes, you're right. Uh, originally, oh, Evil okay. End was a video game created by Nicholas Kanase during the 24th Ludum Dare, an accelerated video game competition, where you have 48 hours to create a video game respecting a given theme, and the theme was evolution. Okay. Cool. So yeah, it was a it was a game jam game that that grew. Uh, and the the first one grew to the point where it could grow, and then they had to make a second one so that it uh, they could do more full fledge full fleshed out interesting things. Apparently, um, so we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, I might bring uh, a guest for our next one because this was recommended to me by um, by someone who runs another gaming podcast, uh, basically, who I was uh, interviewing with for Wintermore. And so he recommended this game and he said, hey, if you guys end up playing it, let me know. I love to talk about this game. And so, you know, I'd love to, to come on and chat. So uh, maybe he'll want to come on and chat. Nice guests. Yeah. We'll see. It's been it's been a hell of a time for everyone <laughs> these past few weeks, so uh, things might have changed. But yeah, uh, we'll find out next time. So y'all have uh, at least two weeks to check out Evil Land uh, on Steam. Yeah, probably other places too, but yeah, eh, it's fine. You can just, you can look for those if you want. That's okay. <laughs> it's on Google. Yes, yes. it is. Is Google says uh, that it is on Android, iOS, Microsoft Windows, Linux, and classic Mac OS. So probably you can get it on mobile if you want, at least the first one. Yeah. <clears throat> cool. Okay. Uh, plugs. That's what we do next. Yes. 
Uh, okay, cool. Hi, I'm Kelso. You can find me uh, on Twitter at Kelso Time Bomb, and you can also follow the podcast Twitter at Feedback Force. Uh, and I am Kyla. You can find me on Twitter at Kyla underscore go. Uh, and you can buy my game, Wintermore Tactics Club, uh, wherever games are sold on the uh, on on all modern consoles and on uh, PC. If you unless you are listening to this in the future after the PS5 and new Xbox have come out, in which case it's not for those. It's for the last generation. Not on Google Stadia. It's not on Google Stadia. <laughs> no, we did not get enough support from Google to be worth the you know five Google Stadia players. <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably not a big loss. <laughs> yeah, and I'm Carl. You can find me on Twitter at Gug3. Yeah. Cool. And, oh, yeah, and I have one. I have one last oh. plug that uh, that is not related to any of us or anything we're doing. It's just that uh, Sean was playing Manifold Garden uh, the other day, which we played on this podcast, and uh, William Cheer was in his uh, chat, the creator of the game. Cheer is apparently how it's pronounced. Okay. And he, as one of the things that uh, he linked what, during the playthrough. Uh, he has a video where he does a commentary on the speedrun for the game. So he like watches the speedrun and then comments about like how the game is developed and uh, and you know like how it's built in engine and why certain exploits work the way they do. Yeah. Uh, and so it's it's actually like uh, I haven't finished watching it, but so far it's been a really interesting video. So I recommend that. Yeah, I've seen it. It's good. So there you go. Yes. All right. Thanks for uh, listening to the podcast, everybody. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Have a good uh, couple. Oh, God. What am I doing? Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. <laughs>